Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I am your host, and I want to begin by saying thank you for listening. On this show, I am having conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some amazing and extraordinary results in both their life and business. My intention is to inspire and help you learn and grow by having my guests share their journey of how they face and overcome their challenges, but also how they celebrate their many wins. And now let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today, Randy Dick, has been a top producing realtor as part of the Fraser Valley Real Estate Board for more than 27 years. He's been involved in ownership, sales, investing, and most importantly, of course, client care. Now, over the past 18 years, he's developed and led one of the most successful real estate teams in Canada with averaging more than 300 transactions per year. And under the leadership of Randy, the Eximus real estate team has achieved many outstanding awards in the Fraser Valley Real Estate Board and EXP Realty and Remax Canada and Remax International, including EXP Icon Award, top real estate, top six real estate max teams in Canada and top 50 worldwide. He has multiple years earning the Fraser Valley Real Estate Board Team President's Award, Remax Lifetime Achievement Award, Remax Circle of Legends, and most importantly, recently he was named one of the top 200 agents in Canada. Randy's passion, knowledge, his commitment, and desire to provide exceptional professional client care has driven him to advance professionalism within the industry. He was born and raised in Southern Alberta and has realized early on that a great work ethic was the secret ingredient that produced great results. 33 years ago, Abbotsford became home and he works, plays, and enjoys the West Coast lifestyle fully with his wife of 32 years, three children, two sons-in-laws, and a soon-to-be daughter-in-law. He enjoys all things that involve speed, thrills, a bit of risk, and Randy's latest passion, which is kite serving. And he is here today to share some of his journey, the lessons he's learned, and the insights he's gained. Let's get this show started. Randy Dick, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Patrick. It's great to be here. Now, Randy, you've been on the show in the past. It was a few years ago now. It was actually early on with the Everyday Millionaire when I launched the podcast. You were one of my early guests. And a lot of ground has, uh, we've covered a lot of ground, each of us. A lot of things have changed for us. So today in the market, if somebody says to you, Randy, what do you do? Uh, What's your answer these days? Well, my quick answer would be, I work in the real estate space, which often draws a lot of other questions, but I do work in the real estate space, and I work in the real estate space helping, of course, buyers and sellers, investors, investing in properties and in real estate and developments, but also I um, facilitate a lot of things for realtors as well. After 31 years, I've learned a few things, I've made some mistakes, and so I try to inspire and educate realtors how to have financial and life freedom, as well as helping my buyers and sellers, investors and clients find that as well. So I call it the ROL, return on life. So that's the long answer with the short answer, all wrapped up in one. Well, I love that because it gives us lots of points of entry to have the conversation around. And, you know, when we look at 
somebody like yourself who's you know developed a career and a business over 30 plus years i mean you start out as i guess did you start out just as a kind of a realtor with you know here's how i'm going to make a living uh real estate kind of interests me and then you know it just caught you like what was the journey like for you and and what got you going from being a realtor doing deals doing transactions to being the realtor that understands relationships and then have certainly built way beyond that and we'll get to, into that in a minute but tell me about those early years as a realtor well early years Prior to real estate, I was managing a sports shop for a great family, and uh, I love sales. And really what sales is, is just helping people solve their problems. So I worked in a high-end sports shop where we sold, uh, you know, the, the back then, <laughs> back in the early 90s, like $1,000 ski suits, which were just like extreme. And um, so it was, it was about... Where it was that where I learned how much I love just helping people solve problems and helping them find whatever they were looking for. And then a friend of mine said, Hey, I think you'd be really good in real estate. Had no idea, zero idea that I would love, love, love real estate like I do today. And so I uh, went ahead and got my license. And uh, I've shared this story a number of times, but I should know I had zero money, um, a child, uh, a car payment, a house payment. And, um, and the bank knocking at my door, wanting to foreclose. And thankfully, my wife had a great relationship with the, 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 the bank manager because she'd worked there at one point. So she was making trips in there just to keep them away from uh, taking her home. And I was going and hustling my tail off to make that first sale. And uh, my why back then was just, how do I make one sale? Mm. And of course, um, you know, I had a lot of drive and I had to make that happen to, uh, to make sure that uh, the bank didn't take our house and as well as I provide for my family. So it was just balls to the wall, trying to help people find property to, to buy. It was that, that was the early years. And from there, um, it just morphed into, uh, I really found my, my groove, my, my lane, and um, became you know, fairly successful fairly early on um, in sales. And from sales, I met some great people that helped me understand the, the development side of things and how I could invest with them. And that morphed into you know, uh, the investing, the developing, the, uh, the, the property owner that I am today. And from there, after years and years um, of leading a lot of agents and building a team, um, it's transferred into me helping agents find their why and helping them with meeting their financial life and, and uh, goals and, uh, and life leading them as well. So, you know, think about uh, back then, Randy, and, you know, you're very accomplished as we sit here today. You've done a lot of work. You're a leader with, uh, within not only your own team, but certainly with other realtor brokerages and teams through eXp. And I want to talk about just that whole evolution. But, you know, when we consider that, you know, listeners are some of them real estate investors, realtors, we have a pretty dynamic audience that we're listening to. You know, there is that early part of your journey that, you know, you were, I don't want to say in survival mode, but let's face it, you were out there hustling to pay the bills and do all the things that, you know, young men do and that you were busy doing all of that. But you said something that I'm always curious about. I always dig into it a little bit because over the years I hear this comment, I really loved real estate. 
And so I want to unpack that a little bit. Did you really love real estate or did you just love the relationships that you got to create, given who you are? Uh, was that, now in reflection, was that really it? Or what did you love about real estate? Let me not put words in your mouth. You know, that's a great question. I've never even asked that question before. Um, I think the obsession to help people is first and foremost. And then the vehicle or the product that you're selling is secondary. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was my desire, my obsession to help people get what they wanted. That was first and foremost. And if that is handled well, then you're probably going to love whatever that product is. So if I think back and you're bringing this back to me, I loved selling high-end skis and high-end sports equipment because I knew I was putting the right bracket in the person's hands or the right set of skis, you know, under somebody's ski boots for their needs, their wants, and of course their performance. And so I think it comes all the way back to if I can help somebody get what they want, then I get what I want, which is joy. Oh, and maybe I earn a living at it as well. So to, you really framed that well for me, Patrick. Thank you for doing that. But along the way, I did find the love of real estate because real estate became an incredible investment vehicle for me. And so that's where I think the love comes in because it's given me freedom and things that I probably couldn't have done without that vehicle of real estate. Well, I'm going to, you know, I unpack these conversations, Randy, from a couple of different points. So because I've known you for a number of years, I see, you know, what you've accomplished, what you've achieved in your life. And we kind of brush over certain things. So, you know, back to you liking sales and supporting and helping other people get their needs met and, you know, fill that gap. You know, in all of that, of course, we get to be a contribution. We get significance because we are that expert that supports people. That gives us significance. And those are human needs, by the way. You know, a lot of people think that's just ego. And really, it's not. I mean, it can be turned into that. But really, we all need to be a contribution and significance. And the reason I shine a light on that is when we look at even real estate and what you've achieved in your investing, it the results of real estate are that it gives you that financial freedom. You know, real estate itself, I find, is quite boring. There's the transaction, the deal, the negotiation, the hunting, the finding, you know, the finding hairy deals and, you know, kind of cutting all the hair off to get to a great deal. That's all kind of cool stuff. But ultimately, we love the results. So the reason I share that is because as I've watched you evolve, and I know that you've uh, spent a lot of time grooming your team, choosing the right team and working and uh, supporting other realtors in the space, especially again with that EXP brand. You know, when you think about the ideal, it's a bit of an idealism, I think, and I'm being a bit long-winded in this, but I think it's important to understand is that you over 30 years have built a life, you know, intentionally by design and not without its struggles like everybody else. But ultimately, you get to every day go do what you love to do, which is in fact, supporting the success of others. And you did that as a sports guy or a sales guy. And you do that in the realtor space. You do it in the real estate space, the buyer seller, the investor. So, you know, when you get grounded in that and you reflect on that, it wasn't without its challenges. But when you go back to doing what you love to do every day, it's like getting out of bed. You go, I'm excited about my day in spite of the challenges. What's your thoughts? I do love to get out of bed. Um... You know, it's really about, I think, how to define your why. And if your why doesn't make you come alive every morning, make you jump out of bed, what's the point? 
So I think it comes back to your why. And, uh, you know, there's four things that I always come back to. Does my why or does your why make you come alive every day? Does it use your superpower? Mm -hmm. Are you adding value to others in a great way? And number four is, <laughs> is the story that others are telling behind your back worthy of being told. Mm. And so I think that's where it comes back. Uh, whatever you do, whether it's selling real estate, selling sports equipment, um, gardening, landscaping, whatever it is, it really comes back to your why. And does your why make you come alive every morning? Does it use your superpowers? Does it add great value to others? And is their history being made around your story? I think that's that's why. And I've been very, very fortunate to find my why throughout the years because it is always changing as well. It never stays the same. Um, I think your why evolves as you mature and grow. And um, and my why certainly has changed. Like if I think back of that first year in real estate, my why was so simple. It was just like, gosh, get some deals done, but <laughs> just put some food on the table. Yeah. But today it can be very different. It's very much more a philosophical why um, versus what it was. And so, yeah, it's it's always evolving and changing. And I don't know, I hope that answers that. But uh, really what makes me come alive is just, it's my why that makes me come alive every day. So you mentioned superpower and, you know, Stephanie and I on the Mindset Matters podcast, we often talk about, you know, we have in the past talked about what's your superpower. And so you use the phrase superpower. So have you, I'm assuming identified it. Can you kind of articulate what your superpower is, Randy? Uh, I think, I think many of us have a few superpowers that can all mash together. Sure. I would say one of my superpowers is that I, I just have an unbelievable amount of energy. I've been gifted with a ton of energy. I've always had a lot of energy. And so it's energy, but it's also the, the inspiration to connect others through that positive, that good energy, and also that the, the life energy that I have just to go and, and, and push hard. So uh, I really think that I'm really good at building trust quickly and then connecting people to the right people or I might be that connector, but it's the connections that I think I can create very quickly. Yeah. You know, knowing you the way I do, I would have to say that is definitely one of your superpowers because, you know, you are easily to, you know, you're easy to relate to. You are quickly and I think uh, quite easily to trust that you, you know, you have that energy about you and you're a great listener. So that all kind of plays into uh, that level of trust and connecting, as you say. Okay, so on the other side of superpower, what's your kryptonite? What's my kryptonite? Um, I'd say my kryptonite is that um, I don't get down. I, I, I mean, I, I get knocked down. If you know anything about me, which you do know, I've had some real crucible moments in my life. From breaking a neck at 14, waking up paralyzed, getting back up on my feet and finding a way to learn to walk and do all those things again. Just, I mean, I have resilience beyond a, a lot of people, capacity beyond a lot of people. That's just been because I've, I've been throwing a lot of things and uh, been knocked down and get back up and way I go. So I would say that, that's my kryptonite. But that's more of superpower. What shuts you down? Let me rephrase it. What shuts you down? What okay. actually kind of shuts you down and goes the opposite of that? Yes. What shuts me down? Hmm. Well, I mean, have, uh, 
disappointing somebody mm. really eats me alive. If I, I've, I've promised and I haven't been able to deliver, that is that that really uh, bothers me a lot. Yeah, and shuts me down. Um, so I, I want to be able to deliver on what I say. That would be, you know, probably the most important thing to me. Randy, deliver on what you spoke about and be consistent. And if I've missed that, that really that really eats me up. That's totally makes sense, by the way, given what you said is your superpower and kind of how you got to where you are today. Now, you know, Randy, when we consider the the market and over the years, there's up markets, there's down markets. Uh, you and I have both worked with tons of investors, you with tons of realtors, as well as investors, you know, just a general public in the real estate market. And nothing is more emotional than real estate. But, you know, from a business point of view, like when you consider the headwinds that you've faced over the years, you know, what continued to get you through? You know, if you think about your why got it, but even with your why, what is there a specific mindset? Because you're working with realtors on a regular basis. You're working with individuals. Uh, what do you think the mindset is required? How do we have to look at the world to get us through these things? I mean, challenges come our way all the time. Uh, cycles happen all the time in real estate. Uh, I've been through three major cycles in real estate in the 31 years. But I, I think you just need to know who you are. You need to be prepared to do what it takes. And I think most importantly for me is I will always bet on myself. I will bet on myself no matter what. Somebody says you can't do that. I will bet on myself that I can get that done. It may not be pretty. It may not be on, on the timeline that I wish I could get it done, but I will accomplish or complete that task or that goal. I will get it. I'll bet on myself every time. You know, that's uh, such a great answer. You know, I think about how many people I've asked some version of that question over the years, just as a coach as well. And I don't think I've ever had anybody say, I'll bet on myself every time. As a matter of fact, many lack that conviction in their own ability. You know, I often say when I'm even in a large group, I'll often say, I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And I can say that with so much confidence because often, very, very often, I would say by far, most often, people do not believe in themselves and they then hold themselves back from achieving. And, you know, when we look at this podcast, when I look at my guests on this podcast, it literally is the seemingly ordinary achieving extraordinary and but that is going to be a common thread. If I think back to it, is everybody you have to believe in yourself, and that is what sets people apart from that kind of mediocrity or some level of success to actually really creating a great life. So I love that point, by the way. I, I love the way you delivered that. That was great. So and if I could, I just want to add something to that because I think it's really important. So somebody that's listening right now is going, "Yeah, well, Randy, you're the most you know you're gifted. You're this. You're that." Let me tell you, I have very few gifts. I'm not the best at this, the best at that, but I have the perseverance to believe in myself and to bet on myself. But don't, if you're a listener right now, do not think that you have to be gifted and talented. It is not about the gifts and talents. It's about the desire within you. 
Yeah, it's really got to be the willingness and the want to go through and, and to actually achieve those outcomes and those results. Do you think, Randy, I mean, you've worked with so many. I know that, you know, you're very significant in the XP world and working with uh, other teams, other brokerages. You know, what do you think when you consider the work that you do and that whole believing in yourself and willingness and wantingness and those kinds of things, when you're having conversations, do you see it as well? Is that, do you think that's a, a ceiling of limitation that people have or that some of your clients even have? Unfortunately, yes. Yes. I see a lot of people that don't believe in themselves that uh, that have a ceiling of, of what they're capable of. I think there's two things that limit many, many people, and I see it all the time. And I believe it's two things that we were given in abundance as children, is curiosity and our imagination. And so often we grow older and we lose the curiosity. The curiosity is what helps us to you know, ask questions and to understand things. And without understanding that we limit that, and, the, uh, and then the imagination piece of that is if we don't imagine great things that are coming our way, well, we just cycle ourselves back into the past and pull all of our memory forward, which is a limiting factor. And so I think a lot of us struggle with being curious and using our imaginations to really find out the true potential in each one of us. And um, if you think of yourself as a child, and boy, we could take, we could write a book, I think, on childlike business. Yeah. And we take all the things that we did as a child. And if we rolled that into that 35-year-old or 40-year-old or whatever business, the success of that person would be significantly greater because of curiosity and the power of our imagination. Yeah, I mean, you certainly have that genuine interest in people. You're a great listener, but you do. You are curious. You want to hear about others. And, you know, when we think about your career and what you've developed, I mean, Eximus Realty in, in Abbotsford, you've done exceptionally well with that. You've got a great team. You've morphed into uh, doing far more with EXP. Give me a little bit of that kind of background, that transition of how you went from where you were. Uh, I, I want to say you were with Remax in the past, and I've kind of lost the plot there, but I think it was Remax. And then you moved on to be part of uh, the AXP world and uh, share a little bit of insights into why the decision-making process, because that's a big business decision. And you saw a future, you saw something about EXP that you really liked. I mean, it's not like Remax is a small player. You were with them for quite some time, I, I believe. Give me a little bit of background about how that transition and why the transition. Yeah, great question. Um, by the way, uh, I was with Remax and I absolutely loved the brokerage, the brand, all that that was. However, um, I was there almost 20 years, seven years prior at another brokerage, which I was an owner of, that I shipped it over. I brought it over to Remax, sold that brokerage to Remax and then became a team lead at Remax. And it was in uh, 2017, 2018, I was really starting to question this thing called real estate and my real estate license. Because um, if any of you were out there as a business owner thinking about being a business owner, you know, you have these perceptions of what business is. And one of them was that I was always telling myself, Randy, you've got a business, you've got a business, like this business. 
And then one day I kind of woke up and I looked in the mirror and I said, Randy, you've been telling yourself a lie for how many years already? Like years, decades. And the understanding, the conclusion that I came to was, Randy, if it really is a business, you could leave it for a day. It would run and function just fine. You could leave it for a week, two weeks, a month, a year. If it's truly a business with with great people and great systems and well-run, it should actually function and run without you if you created a business. And maybe it's even actually having more revenue and, and, and a greater bottom line, a better bottom line. But uh, the game of real estate is that it's a relationship business and it's really hard to just check out or have a business run as a traditional business. And so I was getting kind of tired, to be honest. I was um, what I would call kind of a broken agent. Nobody knew that, really. I put on a great facade, and nobody knew the pain that was happening behind because I was discouraged that I'd spent, at that point, 27 years. And I thought, gosh, if I don't make it home tonight and get hit by a bus, what does my family, my loved ones, receive from this 27 years I've been putting into real estate? Of course, I made commissions. I bought property. But that isn't unique to my real estate license. And so I thought, man, you're a little smarter than this, Randy. Come on, figure this out. Or go and find somebody that can help you figure it out. And understand how you can take your real estate license and create something more than just another sale, another commission. And uh, of course, I love helping people. But at the end of the day, it's all about making some money too. And so my journey led me to find EXP Realty. And I thought at first, no, this can't be true. Um, as I understand it, my role holding this license was to trade time for money or just make a commission by helping somebody find their dream home, the investment property, whatever it may be. And then to have to go and do that all over again and then all over again. And I was just at a point where I was figuring, I got to find a way out of this. So there's an equitable event to happen or I... Uh, I can actually pass something off to my family if I'm not here. And so once I understood and studied what this new brokerage called EXP Realty was about, I realized that there was multiple income streams with EXP that wasn't available with me at any other brokerage, including Rematch, which I love, but it just wasn't the vehicle to give me other income streams. And so EXP, when I dug deep into it, I realized, okay, I can still help people buy and sell real estate. So that's income stream number one. But income stream number two is that every agent at eXp becomes an owner in the brokerage. And uh, that was pretty unique. And not by cutting a big fat check and saying, oh, great, here I am. I'm an owner now. Mm. I don't know about you, Patrick, but every time I would become an owner of something and have to get my checkbook out. And, <laughs> and actually, it's interesting the bigger the check, the more I was excited about it because I thought there was a bigger opportunity. Yeah. But coming to see, I did not have to cut a check. We are gifted stock in the company. It's a publicly traded company. And so we're gifted stock. We can earn stock through production awards as well as we can buy stock at a discount. So pretty cool way to get ownership without the back end, the ugliest parts of ownership, which is you know all the... Operations. The regulatory <laughs> operations, all of that stuff. Yeah. 
And then the third really cool thing was that we got dividends paid on the stock that we owned. That's income stream number three. And income stream number four was where if we're helping build the company, we are compensated. And these three new income streams are actually a business model that if I'm not here, I get hit by a bus on the way home, my loved ones receive that through the inheritance of it. And it is life-changing, in my opinion. And that's really a financial upgrade that I just never expected with my real estate license. And there it is. It's available to each and every one of us as realtors. You know, there's, uh, I mean, EXP has changed the world. I've had the opportunity to have uh, Glenn Stanford on, Stanford on the stage a couple of times uh, and met with him at one of your events, uh, had a conversation with him, listened to him. And, you know, he's a pretty plain Jane guy. Like, he really is not big and dynamic and gregarious. He's a really nice man, but it was really gifted, I guess, in his thought process, worked very, very hard to get EXP up and running. And when I think about how many realtors I've spoke with over the years, you know, time and time again, I've heard from realtors that go, you know, they're finally investing in real estate. Like literally they go through years of doing nothing. And at some point they wake up and go, holy cow, here I am making a bunch of clients wealthy, yet I don't own and have not invested in any real estate. That's number one. Number two, an EXP comes along. I would say, you know, from my observation, I'm not a realtor. Uh, I don't have a connection to EXP other than a number of people like you who are EXP related into the business of EXP. But EXP is a game changer, is it not? Like, is it, it's pretty innovative from my perspective outside looking in. I sometimes wish, gosh, I should have jumped in and became a realtor or something. Looks like some great opportunities. But having said all that, um, do you see EXP literally changing the game? And, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on what that could look like into the future? <laughs> well, there's always disruptors in the marketplace. And uh, if we go back to the 70s and 80s, there was this thing called Remax that disrupted the marketplace. See, prior to that, everybody worked as a small team and there was very small offices. So, uh, you know, a city of 100,000 people might have 30 or 40 different real estate offices that had, you know, three to 10 people in that office. And they really ran like teams of current, uh, of current times. And then David Linegar came along and said, hmm, well, why don't we build this thing called Remax? And uh, everybody gets 100% of their commission. And you just pay for the seat instead of splitting the commissions with the broker owner. And uh, you put a sum of money in the middle of the table for marketing and we'll do marketing together. And that was Remax. And Remax disrupted the marketplace in the early 80s and by you know, the, the late 80s, early 90s, every brokerage ran a model similar to Remax with a, you know, a twist here and a twist there. Well, this is what EXP is. EXP's the disruptor in the marketplace and saying, who is the most important person in any brokerage? It's really the agent, the realtor, because without the realtor, there's no point in that brokerage being open. And so Glenn Sanford was functioning in that old traditional model where he was a tenant basically as an agent. And he said, man, I'm pretty important here. Without me, this office doesn't run. And yet I'm not treated like an owner. I'm treated like a tenant. Why don't I build a company 
that is for the agent, by the agent, and will give agents 50% of the ownership of this company. So really, EXP is owned 50% by the agents and 50% by Glenn and the corporation. It's really remarkable when you think about it. So today, it's totally disrupting the marketplace. It's really, I think, putting a lot of pressure on the old traditional brokerage because they're looking at this and going, we can't pivot out of what we have, which means who's going to pivot? The agent's going to pivot. And so today there's copycats coming out that are similar to EXP because EXP has grown so substantially. Crazy. So <laughs> it started in 2009. And when I joined in 2018, we we're 13, 14,000 agents. Today, we're 88,000 agents around the world. Wow. Fastest growing brokerage ever. So it's a disruptor. It's going to change the marketplace. There's still room for the old traditionals, but it's going to be changing significantly over the next you know, two to five years. Well, let's just talk about that a little bit. I mean, it's kind of an interesting conversation. You know, the fact that EXP has done what they've done. That aside, when we look at what's happening in terms of technology, when you talk about market disruptors, EXP being that market disruptor in the case of uh, realtors and real estate brokerages, you know, when you look at technology overall in that real estate world, what else are you seeing? I mean, I think about, for example, Randy, when you consider just what COVID did in terms of, you know, changing how people communicate, it, uh, to, in my world, I often say it shrunk the world because now we can be in touch face to face with anybody. You and I are not in the same room. We could be if it was set up a little bit differently. But the point is, is that it's, if you would have been in Toronto, wouldn't have changed a thing. Or if you would have been in another country, wouldn't have changed a thing. And from a realtor point of view, there's opportunities right across the country. Now, that to me is uh, looking at technology impacting and being a disruptor in a positive way, market disruptor. What else are you seeing in the world of real estate that you're seeing as a future or even right now starting to disrupt and you see it ramping up? Mm, great question. I love this question. Um, I did a presentation late last year called Agent 2032. What does real estate look like mm. for real estate and the agent 10 years out? And um, this was even before chat GTP kind of hit the scenes. And I was talking about how AI is going to change everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, you, you're going to have an AI. I'm going to have an AI talking to each other. And they're going to, you know, work out the details. And then we're going to get the raw data. But um, real estate is going to change significantly in the next 10 years. I think that there will be a time that I will be able to be a hologram if Michael Jackson can be on stage at a concert in Vegas, I could be a hologram <laughs> in the Caribbean selling a villa. Yeah. I could be in a hologram selling, you know, a property in Paris. Because I mean, this world is built on relationships and trust. Let's let's not, you know, water it down too much. It's all about relationships and trust. Mm -hmm. And so if you trust me, Patrick enough to buy a property in the Fraser Valley or an investment property, you're going to trust me enough to go to Paris and buy you that apartment on the river. Mm -hmm. And so I think we'll be able to eventually sell property anywhere and everywhere in the world because of relationships and trust. I mean, that's the exciting piece of it. The not so exciting piece is that it's going to, I think, 
there'll be the have and the have nots of realtors as well. So I think we'll see less realtors actually in the future in some ways because of the ability to be more mobile. And so you build these relationships, referrals, and there could be less realtors. There's so many realtors right now. I think it'll be, you know, pared down a bit. One of the things I see in, in, the, in the province of British Columbia, and I think this is happening everywhere in the world, is that we're being overregulated and every industry is being overregulated. And why is it being overregulated? Uh, I can speak for British Columbia. Regulation means taxes. Yes. And taxes mean money for the government. And the government is collecting so much money from the act of a transaction in real estate. It's ridiculous. Um, Alberta, for instance, has their, their GDP. And you might be able to correct me on this. This is just my record of, of looking back a year or so ago. But I think the G GDP P of Alberta through natural gas and oil is about 28% of Alberta's GDP. Is my, am I right yeah, in that? Yeah, you're, you're definitely in the ballpark, yep. British Columbia, what's the, the two industries? It's real estate and construction form 32%. Yeah. And so our governments look at that and they go, oh my goodness, where's the cash cow? Let's tax the crap out of real estate, which they're doing. Let's tax... The real estate agent, I think they're going to start taking your commissions and taxing it. And we have this company called ICBC, which is, you know, the incorporation of British Columbia or insurance corporation of British Columbia. What about the real estate corporation of British Columbia coming in? I don't know. Some things, they're a little bit scary about government. So anyways. Well, uh, yeah, you and I could go on a tangent about government. You know, I think there's a couple of points that I just don't want to step over because I think it's important for people to realize when we talk about real estate and just the impact of real estate on our economy overall. Uh, we look at real estate across the country and as an average of our national GDP, it's conservatively 12%. And some people say, well, no, it's only eight, but it's really easy to get to 12 quickly. You know, it, to your point earlier, is that just how many jobs roll out of that? What is the real estate industry? actually employ in terms of people what's the ripple effect so you talked about construction and real estate in bc and 32 percent of gdp not surprising when you consider just how many deals are transacted toronto is also very very high but you have to consider that aside from realtors and you talk about tax revenue and like you say this isn't about trashing the government although that would be very easy in these day you know today but ultimately we look at the jobs that real estate creates you know you think about the people that you hire within your team and then who they hire, whether that be EAs or whatever that might come into play. But also when you consider that there's lawyers involved, there's accountants involved, and they're all doing and part of that real estate transaction ultimately. So you start to really kind of add all the layers of employment and taxation just on real estate. When we see a real estate market slow down, although it freaks people out, and certainly if your net worth is tied to real estate, it really freaks you out. But ultimately, uh, there is an impact on our overall economy that we can't ignore and can't you know go off. So I go on a tangent, but I just wanted to kind of anchor that. But where I do want to go back to, which is something you said about the number of realtors, it's interesting that at least I don't know the exact numbers, but when you think about whatever tens of thousands of realtors there are, 
it's only what the top two or three percent that are actually transacting deals that are even make a you know make a relevant impact. So in other words, many realtors are only doing one, two, three deals a year, as opposed to top performers are doing you know fifty, eighty, a hundred, you know, and certainly in, you get into those numbers where they're doing uh, four, five, six hundred you know deals over the course of a year if you've got a real uh, going concern in terms of your brokerage. So I mean, there's a lot of things happening in that real estate world. Um, when you think about technology, I think that a lot of realtors just aren't going to adopt technology and they're going to fade away as well. What's your thoughts on that? Agree 100%. Um, the real estate po population has been aging. So the realtor population has been aging significantly over the years. And so there's going to be an exodus just because of age, but there's also an exodus because of technology and also the, the regulations, the paperwork that is just so consuming right now. Uh, and so that is going to push many out. I also see that uh, it's going to be a more difficult entry into real estate as well as we move forward. So in the future, I think it's going to be treated, and I 100% and I agree with this, that it will be treated like a true profession where it's no different than being an accountant or a lawyer, that you have to actually go through and get a degree to be a licensed realtor, and that is coming. There's chatter about that already, so that is coming. So that entry is going to be much more difficult, which I totally agree with. It's been too low. The entry's been too easy. The bar's been too low, in my opinion, which is why we uh, we see agents, in fact, in some markets where 50, 60% of the agents last year didn't make a deal. Mm -hmm. Why not a license? And um, it just brings the lack of professionalism into our industry, in my opinion. So you're right. Um, there used to be that 80-20 rule. It's probably closer to 90-10. So 10% make 90% of money, but the real money winners, the real earners, the real doers, the real deal makers is really about 5%. Yeah. Five, five, 7%. It's why it's also, you know, and we're guiding investors within, let's say, the RAIN community, within the community of the Real Estate Investment Network. We're telling them, deal with an investor-focused realtor. Now, they're hard to find, by the way, good ones, uh, because when you look at the overall kind of depth of realtors, the real performers, they're not a lot of them. And so they are more difficult to find. And, you know, that's why we always appreciate you as a trusted partner, because you are one of those top performers. I want to go back to something you said earlier about, you know, being a hologram and, you know, showing up for a meeting and being the hologram. I share this experience. You might even remember where the place is. It was, uh, we were just outside of Whistler and we went through this area where you walk through the forest and it was at night. It was around Christmas time. It was well lit up. I mean, amazing sound system through the whole thing. But as we're walking down this trail, uh, I guess it tripped something, some you know, some beam of some sort and music starts to play. And in deep into the bush, you know, 25, 30 yards, 30 meters, uh, all of a sudden there's this couple, these two people, a uh, older gentleman and a young lady who are singing and playing musical instrument and they are holograms. And I'm telling you, when I first saw them, I had to stand there for a minute and I was with Stephanie and I go, are those real people with lights on them or what are they? And you, then they faded away. But if, but it was really remarkable how realistic it was. Have you seen that? Have you been to that particular place? I have not. No, I was, have not. It was crazy. I'm going to find the name of it. I'll get it to you because I know you like to travel up in that hood when you're 
climbing mountains and doing all the things that you do. Okay, so let's let's move on from that. Uh, you know, Randy, when you think about real estate investors and you know the opportunity that investors have in this market, the need for realtors, how does one, you know, I talked about it briefly, it's find hard to find them, but you know, what is a realtor who, you know, where do you see the opportunity for realtors, number one, or investors on the other side to say, how do we bring these together? And as a realtor, where do you see it? I mean, I see opportunities for realtors who want to take it on and, and become investor focused. How are you seeing it from your side of the, the desk, if you will? Mm, great question. And I see this as so much value in the marketplace as a realtor to understand the investment side that I had you on stage sharing with realtors how they can talk the talk and have the narrative and how they can present properties. That's how important it is because there's a shortage or a lack of good agents that can help investors. But if I help out the investor today, of course, you want to ask some questions. You want to be curious. Remember that curious word? You got to be curious about what this realtor's done in the past or who that realtor is and, and what they've done in the past. And, um, you know, it's really not a difficult question. Are you invested? Are you investment minded realtor? That's an easy question. Number two, share with me some of the deals that you've done recently for other clients. But this is the best one I think of all. Hey, what's the three best deals you've personally done? What are three exciting deals that you've personally done? Mm -hmm. As that will then actually show that they're walking the walk and talking the talk. Too many agents out there trying to sell investment properties don't even own investment properties themselves. So how can they really be the right agent for you? It's interesting, too, is that, you know, when we go back to that realtor, I think that was probably the epiphany that you had in your life, which is to say that, you know, you're on the treadmill of being transactional, doing the next deal, doing the next deal, doing the next deal. At the end of the year, you did 10, 30, 50 deals, whatever that is. And guess what? You start again. So how are you building that kind of long term, sustainable lifestyle, if you will, that financial future, if you're not, in fact, turning it and actually doing some investment deals yourself. I mean, you're the realtor. Uh, aside from just being transactional, how else would you build a future? I can't think of any. Am I missing something? No, you're not missing anything. And, and that's the shame is that a lot of agents don't do this. You know, you, you touched on something that's a really sensitive piece that every January 1st, if you're a realtor, if, if there's realtors listening here, they'll totally get this. But if if not, and you're just a listener or you're an investor, every January 1st, it's like you're at zero again, like zero. And it's like, oh my goodness, I have to now go and earn because a lot of us set these goals, whether it be uh, you know financial or transactions, but you're at zero again. And that's that's a real hard thing on the mind. So that is a challenge. And then, of course, I mean, you 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 got to be investing in real estate. And I'm just surprised and shocked that and realtors don't. Let me go back. You're bringing me all the way back to 1992 with this question. In 1992 of May, I got my real estate license. And the owner broker, a really great man, took me into his back office and said, you got to watch this. VCR tape, plugged it in. 
And there was somebody talking about how to become a realtor and what you should be doing as a realtor. But one of the things that stuck out, and this is the only thing I remember, he, he looked right into the camera and said, you got to buy one property a year as a realtor. This is how you're going to create wealth, not from commissions, but from buying one property a year. And that stuck with me. And that drove me to somehow find a way to buy a property a year till I could then move on to more properties a year. But that was so important. And I share that with every new agent I work with. I say, you got to be an investor and you got to buy property every year. So, Randy, you know, it's interesting that you've gone on this journey. You did have a job as a young man and you eventually went into the realtor, you know, which is for me, I look at that and say, OK, that's the entrepreneurial spirit. I like to kind of ask my guests, you know, when you look at the entrepreneurial spirit that you had, I know that you were raised in Alberta, I believe I say that as if I know for sure. But there's some vague uh, pinch of creek or something as I'm as I'm going through my memory Nailed banks. It. Nailed it. And so. Your entrepreneurial journey, Randy, you know, when did it start? Why did it start? Did you come from an entrepreneurial background? You know, to me, I, I, I just think everybody should be an entrepreneur. And I know that not everybody's wired to do that. You know, they, they don't, it doesn't even land for them in terms of that makes no sense. But for you, how did you get onto that path? And uh, was it by accident? Did you have an entrepreneurial accident? Where did you get this entrepreneurial spirit from? Hmm. Great question. Well, I grew up on a small farm. Actually, it wasn't small. I grew up on a farm in Alberta. It wasn't the biggest farm in the area, but um, my dad was really a, a foreign thinker. He was ahead of his time in a lot of ways. And uh, I didn't quite understand at the time, but I remember we drive around and as farmers, you're always comparing your crop to the, to the next door neighbor's crop or the the, far, the farmer down the road's crop. And, and I remember always thinking, wow, why do our crops look so good compared to everybody else's crops? And that was really, you know, all about my dad. My dad was so forward thinking. He was kind of um, ahead of his time in how he would handle the soil, how we work the soil, how we actually pick the grain to plant, the seeds to, grant, to, to plant for the, the next year's crop. And he was just very, very forward thinking, but he was also very involved in things in the community. He uh, was the director of the co-op and the president of the co-op, which if you're an Albertan, you know what copes are really, really big. Well, the co-op in our town was the center, the epicenter of everything that happened. And so he was there and he uh, encouraged the board of directors to vote on building a great big mall in this little town. And they moved forward with that. So he was always involved. The Alberta Wheat Pool, he was a director of that. So he's always involved in things that were creating bigger things. Mm. And so I saw that. And that was probably uh, one of the things. And maybe, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far off the tree. So it's in my DNA. But the other thing that maybe many listeners don't know is I'm a twin. And as a twin, you come out of the womb competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And so whether I knew this or not, I pushed my twin brother out of the way and said, I'm going first. And so I was born 10 minutes before my twin brother, Gerald. And uh, and so there's always this spirit of competitiveness because I had my closest 
competitor always with me. We would race to the bus stop. We would race our motorcycles. We Everything was a race. And so that instilled this competitive entrepreneurial spirit, watching my dad, having this twin brother to compete against on everything, whether it be basketball, hockey, whatever it was. And so early on, I knew I did not want to be a farmer, but I wanted to be in sales. It's quite interesting. I knew this already at, I'm going to say, 14 years of age. I just knew that, no, no, I want to be in sales of some sort. I didn't know what that meant, but if I look back, I saw that already at 14 in my life. And sales usually has an entrepreneurial spirit with it. So here I am, 59 years old and still loving what I do. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that story, by the way. I think it's great. I'd, I'd actually, I've, I've known a couple twins and I've talked to twins in the past, but nobody came out, nobody said to me, I come out of the shoot being competitive. And I think that's pretty funny. And it does totally make sense, by the way. And uh, so anyways, I appreciate you sharing that story. So when you look at your future, you're 59 years old, you know, are you sitting back going, you know, I think I'm going to retire. I know that you and Jolene travel a ton. You have really done a great job of uh, creating amazing life. But when you look into the future at this point, do you see retirement? Do you see refirement? Like, how does that look for you now that you're this far along the path? Uh, what is the future hold for Randy? What is your kind of vision as you get a little older? And I know you've got children, of course, and uh, older children. But uh, share with me a little bit of what your vision is when you think about that part of your life going forward. Retirement is in my isn't in my 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 dictionary. I um, I think I'd go absolutely nuts if I actually follow through in the true sense of retirement. I like refire. I like refocus. But retirement does not fit for me. I have to be active. I have to use my mind. If I'm away on a vacay and it's, uh, you know, it's 10 days, I am getting bored of not being active in business, in, uh, in, in inspiring and helping other people. It's just not who I am. So I love being active. I love being busy. I love creating. I love inspiring. I love being a connector. And that all happens when you're active in business. So, yeah, it's interesting is that I'm on that same page. And I think I, I tend to think that most people are. And then I realize that that's probably not the case. You know, my circle of influences are mostly entrepreneurs or, you know, individuals who are wanting to be top achievers. So they are more inspired. They are more driven. You know, I was blessed to celebrate my mom's 95th birthday recently. And I realized that I'm kind of on the Freedom 95 program. I don't like you. I have to be active. I get very kind of bored easily. And uh, when I do go on vacation, when Stephanie and I go, it's great. We usually do a tropical vacation of some sort. But wherever we travel to, I quickly get kind of bored with it all and go, this is all nice. It's kind of cool. Get to say I've been here and had the experience, enjoyed the views, uh, enjoyed uh, meeting some new people and perhaps uh, some new food. Time to get back to my life and doing it and being more engaged because that's truly what I love to do. And that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. So it is an interesting period is that when I was younger, I thought that 60 and 65 was pretty darn old. But I realized that when I was a kid, 60 and 65 was pretty old. You know, like a lot of people were... Uh, I think older than their age is, is how I look at it. I think 65 is much younger today than it was 20 years ago. What's your thoughts? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I do not feel that I'm six months away from 60. I feel 40. Actually, I might even feel better than when I was in 40. And uh, there's just no chance. Uh, the number is just a number. It's not really where you're at uh, on the age clock, in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, interesting enough, you know, even when I'm away, probably some of the most memorable moments when I'm on a vacay with Jolene is some of the people that we meet, that we connect with, that become either friends or even business associates in some way. So, you know, I guess I never really turn it off, but uh, have some fun with it. Yeah. So it is an interesting time of life to be in and uh, an interesting time in the world as well. You know, at this point in my life, I joke, it's uh, I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm wider, I'm working on the wider part, not to get wider, but to get less wide. But, you know, it's all kind of uh, realizing that if I'm enjoying my life, it's all very, very good. We look into the future, you know, and when you see where we are in the world today, Randy, and given what's happening economically, there's lots of geopolitical uh, issues. There always are, I guess. But these are macro. These are big issues. You know, the war, Ukraine and Russia continues in China, Taiwan. You, I mean, gosh, UK, Ukraine or um, UK, Europe. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on. How do you stay kind of in the world of being positive, given all of the headlines that are saying the world's coming to an end, the sky is falling, more banks are crumbling? I don't know. How do you deal with it? I don't listen to the news. <laughs> I, I do not listen to news. I uh, very rarely turn the radio on. Uh, if I turn the TV on, it is uh, nothing to do with news. And I just go, I can't change it. So I'm just going to roll like, this is my world. I'm going to create my world. And um, I'm going to self-direct whatever I want for that day, for that week, for that month, that year. I just... I love that. I'm not going to go there. I love it. Uh, you know, we often say, and I've totally quit watching, you know, even pre-COVID, I'd quit watching any mainstream media. You realize that just how inconsistent, how little information is really there, you know, talking heads that are scripted to say whatever they say. It's not it's not even investigative journalism anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. So really, when I'm looking at it, there's nothing there that is of interest to me or is relevant. Now, the nature of who I am and the nature of the business within Rain is I have to be looking at the research and looking at the things that go on, but I'm only looking at data. So I think you hit on a really, really interesting point and an important point for listeners is if you're watching mainstream media, stop it. Just stop it. Something you said was very interesting is that you create your own world and the world that you're in is going to whatever matrix you want to play the game in. And I know that gets a little deep and esoteric and all the rest of it. But it really is, you know, when Gandhi said, you know, create the world you want to live in. You're living in your world. It is your world, and you get to create it however you choose to create it. You know, uh, JG, you know, our chief growth officer, a friend of yours, a friend of mine, you know, he has a fundamental rule, which is if it isn't fun, I'm not doing it. He's one of those guys that never watches mainstream media. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even read the data anymore because he knows he can come to me and get all the information he needs. Seems not fair. I tell him that all the time. But the point is, is I think it really is, you know, to to set yourself up to succeed, 
in these uncertain times and in this in, in environment, you actually have to just play your own game and not buy into all of the narrative and the clickbait headlines, as I like to call them these days. And so I think you really nail it. Do you find, can you get that message across to your team even, uh, Randy? Do you, How do you pass that message along to others other than a, a podcast such as this? Well, I think, I think you can, you can lead people. Um, I mean, if you're worthy of being a leader, people will follow you. Mm-hmm. And when you lead with consistency and you lead with giving people, when you allow people to leverage into everything that you have done, let me, let me, I, I'm going to go back to that because I think it's all about leadership. Mm-hmm. This question is all about leadership. And I love to, to, you know, re-engineer or back engineer what leadership really is. And to me, leadership is leverage and legacy. So let me let me expand on that. Leverage, allowing somebody on my team to leverage 31 years of real estate, 31 years of knowledge in helping others do real estate or I helped real estate. If they can leverage all of that out of me. And of course, you know, I want to leverage them too. This is what this relationship is, we're going to leverage each other. But if that is a true leverage, it's authentic leverage either way, that is number one. Number two is, is there legacy being created with this relationship? Meaning that whoever I'm leading, they go on to have an amazing real estate career or an amazing investment career or whatever it may be. And they've created legacy. So we come back to almost that why. Do they have a story worth telling that others are going to tell? If that's happened, leverage, they've created legacy. Then I can say, hey, Randy, you're a pretty good leader. It's reversed engineered. And so coming back to your question, if I'm consistent in doing that with people in my life, whether it's on my team, my family, my children, people in my community, and that's consistency. And consistency is the most difficult thing in life. Mm-hmm. Day in, day out, week in, week out, you know, year after year, decade after year. That That is the most difficult thing. When you meet somebody that's consistently the same quality person, the same leader, decade after decade, now we're talking about something special. And that's the people that you need to follow and watch. And so, you know, coming back, to your question, I'm sorry, going around in a number of different ways, but it's really about that. If I've conveyed that, then people are going to ask me or watch me and follow behind in not watching the news. When I say I don't watch the news, they go, well, why? Well, consistently, I just don't do that. Watch what I do. Um, so it's all about that consistency of being that leader that's going to impact and allow them to leverage you. And then, of course, creating legacy in that other person that you're working with or leading. Love the, yeah, really, really love that. I mean, it's, it, those are wise words that, you know, come from 31 years of doing what you do, being in business, uh, you know, achieving the results that you achieve. And, you know, I think that this really clear is that you have to be willing to go through it. You know, sometimes it is a grind. To your point, it is day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It is all of that. But if you're living into your highest values and if you're living into that vision and doing what you love to do, 
if anything, you start to realize at this point in our lives anyways, is just how life short can, uh, how short life can be. And, uh, you know, but if you're loving what you're doing, then of course it makes it all worthwhile. So, uh, Randy, before I start to wind down, because I'm going to get to some kind of rapid fire questions, anything that you want to say that you haven't said so far? I would say, Patrick, I love telling your story. Okay. Um, Which one? I, I got a few. <laughs> well, I love telling your story, the story of Patrick. You know, when people ask me, you know, what they should do as far as investing, uh, where they should go, it's always, well, you, you should be part of Ring. You should be part of Patrick's world. And that's because of the consistency of who you are as a leader. The day I met you, you're the same man. You're the same, you have the same energy, the same morals and ethics, and you deliver the same way every time I see you. So to me, you're an amazing leader. And so that's, I, I really want our listener to know that you need to find people that you go, man, I can follow that person. I would like to be like that person. I would like to be in that person's ecosystem or ethos, as you'd call it. And so make sure you find the who in your life, because when you're in, when you're finding who's, the how's become very easy. And I, that was a lesson I had to actually um, really struggle with. I always thought I could figure out the how, and then I realized one day that Gosh, you know, Randy, you're not that bright. You don't have that many gifts. <laughs> Start finding who's. There's who's yeah. that can help you do the how. Yeah. It is, it's so interesting, isn't it? There is a, 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 I think there's a point in the most successful individual's life, uh, you know, in their business and their, well, just in their life in general, where they realize that they do not want to be the smartest person in the room. As a matter of fact, it's way better to be the dumbest person in the room and uh, learn and uh, be in that kind of uh, environment, if you will, because that's really where you can learn so much more and gain so much more is having those that have gone before you, those that are gifted in those different areas, you know, support the overall success. And uh, it is an interesting transition that some people have to make. And I, I'm just going to add to that. I think one of the problems or the challenges when you have success, you start having success and all of a sudden you're really rolling and you've got a lot of success happening in your world, whatever it is, whatever business, whatever you're doing. But at that moment, you have to put a lot of caution up because when you have success, you think you become good at everything. Mm. And I have fallen into that pit where Oh my goodness, Randy, you're pretty darn good at real estate. You're pretty good at this. You're making some good money. And then I started thinking, oh, I could probably do this or that because I'm really good at this. And it cost me not just tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Cost and you lots. Amazing lesson. Amazing lesson. For well, me. there's something else though, is that and and that's such a you know, those are really, really good insights to share. But there's something I want to ask you that you know, we didn't really get to it. We talked a little bit about it, but, you know, on your journey and through that grind, uh, there are times where you're not getting the results that you want. And uh, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you keep going if you're not getting the results that you want? You seem to be working hard and not getting results. These are conversations I have with real estate investors on a fairly regular basis. And even small business owners is that working hard 
really putting all in and just not getting results. And that's very true uh, right now, given the economic conditions. But how do you see that? How do you face it? How do you continue to get up and keep grinding? I think the challenge for a lot of us is, is that we live in a society where we want a quick fix. Mm. We want to go through the drive through and pick up that whatever and, uh, and, and good, we got it. One of the biggest challenges I think for most of us is that we don't stay with something long enough and we're not consistently doing it. You know, it, it takes uh, sometimes years Sometimes years, but definitely months to, you know, right the ship or turn the ship around or get it in the right direction. And most of us, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people just aren't willing to put the effort in and the time commitment to turn it and to understand it. The other piece is we've already talked about. Sometimes you got to go and find a who to help you see it. Mm. Because when we're in the forest, we see one tree or two trees. We don't see the big picture. We need somebody to actually elevate us out of the forest to a 30,000-foot 30, level to really get the big picture. So it's about people, surrounding mm. yourself with the right people, pulling the right people in to help you see that. And then, of course, you got to put the time in. It's just not going to happen overnight. And with investors, I know that can be really challenging because property's underwater or it's not cash flowing or it's dropped in value or something's happened. Mm -hmm. You just got to fight through it. Uh, sometimes, I mean, I've helped properties that are underwater for sometimes far longer than I wanted. But um, at the end of the day, it, it worked out okay. At the end of the day, it worked out really well. At the end of the day, it didn't work out. But at least I put the effort to try and make it and didn't uh, rush that process because I knew it was going to take time. Fantastic. Okay, so Randy, as we wind things down, I always want to throw out some rapid fire questions. And, uh, you know, sometimes they're not so rapid, but we're going to ask the questions anyways. Uh, I'll, I'll come up with an easy one for you. Android or Apple? Android. Yeah, of course. I know that. And uh, you're missing out. That's all I can say. I used to be an Android guy. I'm not anymore. And I'm, I'm glad I made the change. At least I'm pretty sure I'm glad I made the change. <laughs> Anyways, we have some fun around that. What's an impactful book? What's kind of, let's say, one of the most impactful, the most impactful, or a book that you like to share, uh, recommend? What's kind mm -hmm. of on your reading list these days? Well, um, I know I've quoted a little bit who, not how in that book. I read about six months ago, and it's really changed my thinking in a lot of ways on how to find the who versus doing the how. Mm -hmm. So that one's by uh, Benjamin Hardy, mm -hmm. and that's a great read. And then uh, Think and Grow Rich is just a classic. Yeah, That book should be read every year. I should read that book over and over again. You know, yeah. it's interesting, uh, Benjamin Hardy, Who Not How. Uh, the next book, if you haven't read it yet, is The Gap and the Gain. That was Dan Sullivan, who's a legend in the business coaching sphere. But it was he co-wrote that with Benjamin Hardy. Uh, the Gap and the Gain was so impactful for me, my team, uh, my chosen family all read it. It's an, actually quite an interesting read or audible listen. But it is very, very good and uh, changed the, the way I looked at a lot of the world. And uh, we have lots of fun with it. Uh, you know, with the people that we've uh, 
shared the book with and who have read it, it's uh, it's pretty impactful. So you brought up Benjamin Hardy. I share that. There's another young guy who's well done some really outstanding things. And uh, I was I was reading and following uh, Benjamin Hardy when he was writing a newsletter in uh, Medium or something. Like he really ben. watched his career over the past probably ten years now. And uh, cool cool guy. I really really like him and respect him as an author. Randy, when you look at your room, your desk, or your car, what do you clean first? What do we clean first? Um, my glasses. <laughs> my glasses that get so dirty that uh, people actually are talking to me and they go, can I clean your glasses for you, please? <laughs> I, Jolene takes them off my head. I'm going to clean your glasses. I yeah, I get that too. I get that too. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, okay, so... Favorite band, favorite song? Do you have one? Music? I love you too. Mm. Beautiful day. Yeah. Makes me smile. Yeah. yeah. Movie. Do you have a favorite movie? Are you a movie watcher? Favorite movie? Uh, well, The Green Mile is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Green Mile is pretty cool. That was a great movie. That was a great movie. Yeah. Do you have a, a Netflix series or anything you're watching? Anything stand out? I love Billions. Oh, yeah. Stephanie got hooked on Billions. I never did, Brilliant. but she liked it a lot. And uh, I even know one of the key people in that movie, huh? which is one of our board of directors at EXP. So, Randall Miles, really cool dude. That is very, very awesome. Yeah. And do you have a favorite inspirational quote? I'm going to give you my own inspirational quote. Um, when you turn off curiosity... And you shut down your imagination, you sabotage the greatness within. Mm, that is very good. I like it. Uh, I have a quote. I, one of, it's, it's one of my favorite quotes that I came up with, which, and it's in your world, which is, uh, we don't, real estate doesn't fail us. We fail real estate. Um, that's good. That's and, good. You know, because I think that's just the truth. Anyways, Randy, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for my beautiful wife of, of 36 years, Jolene. We met uh, in a parking lot 38 years ago. We looked across the parking lot at each other. We fell in love in that moment, and uh, here we are 36 years later. Wow, good for you. Well, I am definitely grateful for my wife as well. So, uh, I mean, who would we be without our wives, Randy? We know that. And uh, I think it's important that everybody be reminded sometimes is that your significant other, if you're in the right relationship, make sure you give them the credit, credit due. I love them every day for what they bring and show the gratitude for that. Randy, as always, love having conversations with you. So happy to be able to share a bit of your story and a bit of your wisdom and insights on the Everyday Millionaire podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Patrick. It's been great to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time... Patrick out.